Welcome to the Asian Digital Supermovers interview series on Clubhouse, where we speak to experts, founders, and investors about the Asian digital economy and ecosystem every week. Monica, Mushir, and I, Pratish, invite guests for a conversation about building, scaling, and operating businesses in Asia. Follow our club on Twitter. Our handle is AD Supermovers for providing us any feedback and staying updated on interview series, guests, and topics. Thanks everyone for joining in. For everybody who joins us regularly and is part of the club, for the drill, for everybody who's joining new, welcome. So, just giving a quick uh, overview about the club and what we do and what these discussions are about. To start with, welcome to the Asian Digital Supermovers. We basically are three founders, Monica, Mushir, and me, and we do different AMA rooms, Ask Me Anything rooms with experts. Monica leads building in Asia with product. I do growth and scaling in Asia and investing in Asia. And Mushi looks at fintech and DeFi. We also do rooms on Asia Tech News and also community rooms of understanding what the community is looking for, who we can invite, so on and so forth. And we have some amazing people coming up in the next few days and the next few weeks. We will be telling you about them. Obviously, this hasn't been possible without all the support that we have got from all our contributors, all our members, especially I can see Arafat here and then a few others in the audience as well uh, who have helped us grow the club almost close to 5,000 followers and members. Uh, so thank you for that. Chuta is here so we can kick it off. Hi Chuta, how are you? I'm good, Pratesh. How are you? Good, brilliant. Uh, before we start off with Achuta, just a message for everyone. This is being recorded and this will be made public in the future through our podcast. So if you do come up, your response or your question to Achuta will, will be recorded. That's just to make an announcement and be clear. Great. I think we have quite a number of people who have already joined in. I'm going to also request everybody in the room to ping in your network, whoever is interested in understanding about user research, definitely asking your questions and understanding for this topic from Achutha, specifically in the eyes of Misho, which is now a unicorn and potentially looks at billions and millions of customers on a monthly and a yearly basis. So Achutha, are you ready? Sure. Great. I think let's just quickly do a jog through our memory lane. When we met, I think 10 years ago in Bangalore through Ashish, and I think it was a sandbox get together. That's right. And I think it was very interesting. And everybody who's listening in, you should definitely check out Achuta's profile and his work. He has a very uh, strong piece of work in nonprofits as well. And I think then at that point of time, you were doing that. And 10 years later, now we are connecting through Clubhouse, which is which is amazing. And also now that you are in Misho. So how has that journey been? Sure. You know, I think I started in, in still in the commercial sort of for-profit world. And then I moved into the social sector world, which was very interesting to see how design um, can play a more meaningful role and can make an impact. And I went with a very altruistic sort of mindset of how we can influence. And there was a huge learning curve 
in that process, I think I started doing more social research. I worked with nonprofits and social enterprises, which also gave me an opportunity to work around UX research, looking at product. And still, the scope, the speed, the scale at which I was involved in that space was very different from what we're doing now. So I think there has been a lot of learning on that. But one of the huge takeaways for me is that, that I'm able to apply that learning in Misho, especially because we focus on a lot on rural semi-urban demographics. So a lot of my learning in the last decade in the social sector has come in handy. And actually that makes me specifically very intrigued about how Misho is going and building for Bharat. And I'm sure the Indian audience understands and is very well aware of uh, what is the, as we maybe just speak in terms, what's the difference between Bharat and India. Just for non-Indians in the room, basically when we say that Bharat is basically the part of India where English is not the main language and it basically gets segmented into a number of local regional languages, cultures, consumer nuances as we go from one region to the other. And India is basically the top pyramid where mostly the population can speak, communicate, read English. So they are the easier ones to captivate and work with at the top of the pyramid. But as you go down the pyramid, it becomes more challenging to, to captivate and get users and build your supply side as well as demand side because all of them communicate with each other in a very different fashion. So Ashwita, I think from that standpoint, I think user research is very key. Uh, but at the same time, when you have such a big population trying to cater to them, how do you define user research within a company like Misho? Yeah, so I think there we have, might have to look at it from an industry practice also. If you look at typically a lot of the startups, the function is called UX research. And operationally, if they are called UX research, the assumption is that they're doing a lot more design or UX or user experience related research, which are primarily evaluative in nature, which is around usability and how the experience is. And uh, a certain amount of generative, right, like foundational exploratory research to answer some of the fundamental questions. So it depends how these functions are structured within the organization. I'll talk a bit more about that. But yeah, so I think in, so a lot of the startups have UX research function, but there are also companies where they call themselves a user research function, where they have product research and UX research both. And I think it depends how these organizations are structured. So user research at Misho was, although under the design function when it started by Shayak, who was at that point of time the head of design, it was very clear that research would play the role of collaborating with product and with design. So it started with that intent and when we had the chief product officer Kirti join in around the same time, he was very aligned to the value of user research, playing a critical part in not only in contributing to the product but actually influencing the product development and in turn the business at Nisho. Great. So actually you bring out a number of flavors of the next question that I have for you is given that user research has so many multiple flavors around it and you need to interact with a number of teams and also lead your own team, 
how do you build a user research practice in a company and this could be specific to Misho or any other company who is planning to look at user research as a function or a practice? Yeah, so I think here it really depends how someone approaches this, but I mean, I'll try and structure it from my own experience. And I think there are four areas if we have to consider a user research practice to be built in in a company. The first is the organization culture. Is the organization um, culture aligned to user first? Are they thinking about the users all the time? Are from leadership to any other sort of function, are they talking to users? Are they understanding? So a practice in that uh, sort of really sets the culture. So one within the culture is the value, that they share that value of understanding the user better. The second is the culture of collaboration because user research can never work in isolation. It has to be collaborative. And is that collaborative as a culture uh, already exists? So I think that is first. The second is the organization structure itself. So as I mentioned to you, if it's UX research, it gets structured within design. And then how design is structured within the business, how much influence does design have over the business determines what is the influence of research. Now in Misho, because it was structured under the product and design and user research was reporting into product, we had a golden opportunity to actually influence the product and business. So ideally, I would recommend that the user research is structured under the product or under a business vertical. And I would say the end state um, where a startup has evolved, become a mature company, I would recommend that the user research is a separate function which reports into the CEO or a head of a business function because then user research will start looking at problems which can come from anywhere, from the business, from product or design and prioritizes this according to the impact it can make on the business. So. That's something which is an end state, but starting, I would say, uh, being structured within the uh, product function has a lot more influence. So the second part is the org structure. And the third uh, is the user research process. And there are two parts to process. One is the user research methodologies and projects and how it is run. And I don't need to deep dive into that, but a process where there is a collaboration mechanism set up between product design and user research on how that collaboration will work as a process is something I think is very important. So I think these are the sort of broadly uh, three areas, right, I would consider for user research practice to be built into the startup. Great. Thanks for that. Before I go on to my next question, I just wanted to say, uh, say that we will be taking questions. I see that if you hands have been raised and probably there are some observations and questions for Achuta. So we will be going through a, a sub set of questions with Achuta first and at around 10.30, okay, 8 p.m. India time, we will be bringing up people. So please uh, keep your questions ready and raise your hand and in close to 20 minutes, we will start taking questions. So Achuta, moving on to the next part. So how does user research actually translate into product offerings? How do you prioritize? How do you uh, figure out what's important, what is not? Because you are really dealing with quite, well, literally millions and billions of uh, users at a given point of time. So how do you prioritize and how do you go about it? How do you convince teams? And how does that really reflect 
in the end product that the consumer is using sure so i think here in some way user research has broadly defined our areas of influence and impact right so one is around problem discovery or opportunity discovery which is much more ambiguous we don't know where we are going into we have a broad sort of question it's exploratory in nature but we need to dig deeper so i think one is around problem and opportunity discovery the second is problem definition which is that we do have an idea of what direction we want to take but we are not very clear we want to define that problem and we really want to deep dive so then it becomes an area of problem definition and then which i generally restrict around like the product research the scope and projects which come up around that is in these areas and then comes around solution efficacy or user experience areas which may come up from the design team and then we pick that up right now in terms of planning and how user research translates into that is that the way the company is structured with okr every quarter we have okr planning so we very clearly defined our sort of plans of what we want to build and what we possibly want to answer so there are two parts to it one is what we are going to build and we don't have the answers so they get prioritized um, in terms of product research and then we also preempt that there are areas of ambiguity which we do think we need to begin and that should be prioritized in this quarter in order to start thinking in that direction in the next quarter so research being a very highly prioritized resource currently in the company we pick projects where it has maximum potential impact and outcome for the product and business great thank you monica over to you thank you so much this has been a very enriching discussion as is i work in product management so obviously my question is going to be about something you mentioned earlier sitting at the intersection of both product as well as of course the design teams i also heard you speak about where ideally your reporting should be in terms of a function but given that it's an imperfect world on a everyday basis how do you manage uh, and balance the multiple business priorities as against the user research priorities that really need to be managed uh, in order to not just achieve business value but also to be able to create and cater to the product management demands associated with creating products that actually work so would love to understand because there is such a huge roadmap that most product functions have that it's almost difficult if not impossible to keep ahead of the market and when you're designing for a billion people then i'm sure that you would be inundated with requests so how do you manage that sure as an interesting question and yes if the way the function is structured right now under the product what we do is that we distill a lot of the questions which business functions may have through the product team so a lot of so all our product managers are working across other business teams right so when the problem is defined uh, or a project scope or a project proposal is actually made by a product manager there is already a business need or an ask which comes in so they consult with the business teams they understand the scope so that is built in within the project scope and when that happens then automatically we are able to streamline so requests generally come from the product team and we do reach out actually to the uh, business heads also saying that i'm planning this project it is of high importance and impact do you have a business point of view which i should keep in mind so that it could bring in value in addition to the value it will bring into the product so i i keep it to a certain extent structured by also but i keep it fungible right to a certain extent where the interaction is a little bit more open so 
Uh, that's how we try and structure this. So right now, all the research proposals done from the product. I must admit that I don't envy your job and managing and triaging this information and business priorities across functions. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think it's, it's interesting, Monica, because right now, the way uh, the product function in itself is quite structured and organized, right? It was a bit natural for us to just get absorbed and get integrated into the product team. I think what will happen is as we scale as a company, right? We are in a growth stage. We work at a very fast pace. The whole momentum, we have this whole velocity at which we work at. And we have one of the company values called speed over perfection. So you can imagine, I think that has been a big challenge for us to balance. And research can never work at a pace of product and design. And I think that was something which we had to negotiate. And I think although we work at a very fast pace as compared to some of the other user research uh, functions, perhaps. But I also think that at some level, we also have been able to balance so that we don't dilute the value of user research and how we are able to deliver qualitative insights which are actionable. Absolutely. I'm really uh, like, I, this was one discussion I was really looking forward to and you're doing absolute justice, but I'm going to do a quick room reset in the interest of time and of course the number of hands that have already been raised. Uh, so thank you everyone for joining us with the Asian Digital Supermovers where we bring to you OG experts from uh, across the field in Asian Digital and today we have Achutya Vilyas who's talking about user research and the best part about this is that he's helping build India's first social commerce unicorn which is Misho and building for Bharat. So if you haven't followed Asian Digital Supermovers please do that by clicking on the greenhouse icon at the top of your page. Also if you're new to clubhouse welcome the best way to uh, really get acquainted with how to work on clubhouse and how to get your voice is to actually ask a question and you can do that by going to the bottom right of your screen you will see a hand button there please do uh, click on that once Pratish gives you a cue and then raise your hand when you come up on stage my only request is do give us one sentence about where you're joining us from and then give us uh, your, uh, ask your question but please do keep it brief because we are running against time and uh, there are Saturday commitments that some of the guests do have so also last thing we are available on all socials including Twitter and uh, LinkedIn so if you haven't followed us please do that we have another set of great rooms coming up tomorrow. In fact, a bumper room coming up on Sunday evening. So if you want all the notifications for that, please do head over to Twitter and to LinkedIn at AD Supermovers. Also, we have a Telegram group where we share a lot of news, insights, and of course, event notifications. Do join it. Over back to you, Pratish. Thank you very much, Monica. And last thing, I should definitely suggest to follow Achuta, Monica, and potentially if you want to know more about scaling and growth me so that whenever we are contributing in any rooms or joining rooms or conducting any AMAs, you will be notified and you can also come and contribute along with us. So getting back to Achuta and what you mentioned, can you double click on the motto on speed over perfection? What does that mean and how do you, how do you balance that? Like definitely if you give speed a higher priority, there would be times where you may not be able to make the most precise or decision. So how, how does the company manage that? Yeah, I think it, it is an area where we constantly iterate over. I think there is a certain momentum and there is a need for that speed over perfection because the way our, the way our company operates in the space of ambiguity we work with, the kind of diverse 
consumer demographic which you are working with. Uh, I think speed over perfection really helps us to keep pace and it also helps us to be innovative, especially the COVID time it, when it hit us in 2020. We made a massive pivot. Our team sort of completely turned around in terms of our so offer offering of service, helping entrepreneurs to still not drop their income. They could continue engaging their customers, although they couldn't sell anything. And I think it was very interesting at that point of time, the way we pivot. And if we wouldn't have pivoted if we didn't have that core practice of speed over perfection. So I think at a business level and product level, the speed over perfection definitely has worked in our favor and it has reaped huge um, dividends. And I think that's what is reflective to where we are right now. On the user research practice, I think that is something I fundamentally believe the user research as we continue to be relevant um, to growth stage or even matured companies, we do need to adapt to some of these requirements. I think what it requires is that the leadership or the stakeholders do need to understand the value of user research and how user research can be best utilized and optimized uh, in the context of the way a business is operating. And I think if they understand that context and in some way we have to make them understand the user research side, then I think there is a sort of a negotiation which happens. I think one of the things which I used as a conversation and I'm happy to share that was that I always, I told my CPO that user researchers typically work in the phase one of ambiguity to clarity. Product managers work in the second part, second phase of clarity to prioritization to action. And it is that middle ground of that clarity, right, is where we have to collaborate closely with product managers to help them understand that, yes, now you've got the clarity and you may prioritize some of these areas, but we have to pick up some of the things which have been dropped so that it's not lost in terms of the user point of view. So they get prioritized and then they get lost. And this often happens with speed over perfection, right? So we make sure we do a thorough documentation and are able to follow up with product managers or design managers on some of the areas which didn't get prioritized and is taken up at a later point of time. Brilliant. For everybody listening in, we will be opening up uh, for questions in almost seven minutes. If you have a question, please raise your hand and be ready. We're coming back. You have been with Mishu for close to now 18 months. How, and this was also when, as you mentioned, COVID happened and the company would have evolved. So how have you seen the evolution of Mishu in the last 18 months? What was it then? How user research would looked at and what is it now? Yeah, so I'll actually also just put this out there. I don't know if many are familiar uh, with the vision of Misho. So the vision of Misho started with the idea of helping 20 million women entrepreneurs to leverage our platform. And that was the vision which we were working towards. And the reason we doubled down on women is because we found through the whole social commerce model that women are not just the next billion losers as a narrative which pans out. They are the next billion movers. In fact, they are not even the next. They are the billion movers. They move not only their house, their family, but move the entire community. And that was something which we understood in the narrative when we tried to understand their motivations, their behaviors, on how they worked around me. So one of the larger narratives, if you have heard from me, show is how we have helped uh, a lot of these women to be financially independent, be more influential in their family or support their family. But one of the impact which we have actually made within the product 
is that these women have become also digitally proficient through the Misho app, which is that none, a, a lot of these women in rural and semi-urban didn't even have an access to a smartphone. They negotiated, found an access to a smartphone, and in that a smartphone, they had two apps, WhatsApp and Misho. And, and I found this in many of our, you know, interviews. And that was very interesting. So they learned a lot about how to use an app through Misho. So I think that has been the journey which we started off uh, when I um, joined and I started the user research function. And from there, as we moved on, now our vision is to help 100 million uh, small businesses to come online. And that vision change means that now we are also looking at the larger consumer demographic as we continue to help entrepreneurs uh, grow. And we are going to focus on e-commerce. And we will also now focus more and more on suppliers, small businesses, smaller suppliers who have been now more offline to come on the online space. So I think in that way, even in user research, we're pivoting in that direction. We are deep diving in those areas and really trying to understand our users on the supplier side and also on the consumer side. And the interesting change, the change which is not happening, is that we will continue to understand our rural and semi-urban demographic because we are in this whole long-tail e-commerce. So we intend to dig deeper in that space going forward. Great. And before I open up for the audience to come in and ask you questions and make your observations, my last question would be, how do you set KPIs and measure outcomes? Yeah, and I think this has been a challenge in many startups. I think, A, if you are doing much more evaluative research, which is like usability testing, a lot of these things, you can measure outcomes in terms of how the product is performing better in terms of a usability. Now, when it comes to shaping even the product research, through our product research, but also shaping uh, a lot of the product charters, it has actually helped us to also look at the impact from product and business metrics. So what we do is that we do create, whenever we finish our research, we call out what are the actionable insights which are being taken up by product managers. Then we track and follow up what those insights have translated, which of those insights have been translated into solutions. And once those solutions have gone through and gone live, we track those metrics to not only look at our outcomes, but also be able to measure our impact. Great. Thanks for that. Welcome, everybody. I just opened up and brought some people on to the stage. So we will just go with the PTR system. Welcome, Ankit. Quickly introduce yourself and please ask your question. Yeah. Hey, Pratesh. Thanks for inviting me on the speaker panel. And like to, yeah, let me introduce myself first. So I'm currently working as a product manager at Smarty in Mumbai. So it is a B2B data company where we are like have different kind of a product which serve for the data needs for the different way, different businesses out there. So my question would be around the user research. So see. User research team being set up in a startup or being formatted in any company, that is a one critical aspect which a uh, lot of companies doesn't uh, do as such. So my question is, as a product manager, how a product manager should strategize some of the key aspects of the user research 
like we do user research by having some of the competitive uh, by doing some of the competitive research by doing some usability testing and stuff so do you have any suggestion on that note for any product manager out there so is the question around how can product managers be better in understanding users that that yeah if you can answer that i can have a follow up questions based on the so sure, i'll try and cover so that you know, the chances for others so yeah i i think product managers come with and i think it's very interesting to work with very different product managers i in fact now i'm actually working on these uh, product manager persona which is very interesting different product managers will come with different strengths and they also come with certain biases towards uh, user research so they might so in and i can give you like some broad understanding is that a lot of the product managers do their own callings to understand uh, user that's one way now when they do that there are a lot of questions which are again the kind of questions the way it is framed it is biased validation or the, the question is too direct so you're bringing out an answer which is also biased so there's a confirmation bias that can also happen so user calling requires you to understand why more than what and how but product managers at least you know, if we have a full fledged user research function so we encourage product managers to unearth more what and how that will help them to shape their hypothesis better and then come to us where what are the deeper underlying whys right how do we deep down um, you know deep dive around l1 l2 l3 levels then we go into that so one way is to do more user calling understand them better from where they're coming from and not with an intent of validation so i think that is one way the second is to collaborate to attend a lot of the research interviews to listen to them to understand them that's a great way for them to learn and understand the users better the third which we actually very actively practice in misho is that whenever we have our insights together documented together we synthesize the insights in collaboration with product manager and design managers this is something which is also a self reflective journey that a researcher with might come with a point of view but it is important to also synthesize and understand the insight from a product point of view and from a design point of view so it has two values two impact one is that a the insight itself has different points of view so the insight in itself becomes richer second is that because you have a product and a design point of view there is a context business context which comes in which makes the insight in itself more actionable and that's where the product managers can be more involved apart from that yes there could be many other areas of quantitative validation through data so you can brainstorm on what kind of data you need to look at of user behavior before you dig deeper qualitatively and many other surveys there is a huge scope of surveys i feel the way surveys are designed is biased to validation and that's something which we try to actively solve for there are ways where we can minimize biases uh, through surveys uh thanks achitya that pretty much answer my doubts which i was having around the user research so yeah like we are slowly like we do some of the research the way you said we do some of the interviews and the way we are processing uh, the way we are processing with the product is now we are implementing nps survey the way you covered in your last point so yeah good to hear that and thanks for having me on having me at the speaker panel Thanks, Abhijit. Uh, welcome, Abhishek. You have the party hat on since you are new to Clubhouse. Go ahead. Yeah. Quickly introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Yeah. 
so uh, so to, to introduce myself uh, so i am a college student and, and uh, as far as mishu is concerned i have been following mishu and vidish for a long time so i have i am really intrigued by the strategy they took to expand their whole market in india so i am really interested in the whole market of bharat so, so actually the, my question was that <coughs> bharat is a very nuanced market with a lot of dissection so so insights are quite divided so for a company like mishu developing strategies for product at at a, at a very large scale how do you see uh, nuanced insights from uh, the bharat scope uh, the whole bharat market i'll just put a, a sort of small note before i dig deeper on this i think so i understand the narrative of understanding our users better between india and bharat but that generally we don't use we usually use the term of rural semi urban and urban users because we fundamentally believe that indians in general are aspirational right and even in our social sector experience a lot of our users aspire for a lot of things a lot of things they are motivated and how they behave is not very different uh, from urban india the, the setting is different the context is different but motivation behavior sometimes are not that different so what we do is we try to understand the common motivations common behavior we do try to understand uh, them from a psychological angle where we build archetypes of our users and user personas and to look at actionability from a product and business context but in terms of understanding our users we we are very careful right that we don't bring in our own biases of say urban versus rural and bharat versus india and many other things so i think we are very conscious and sensitive about that and also one of the things which we are very and it's a practice me which me and my team member khyati we sort of often talk about is an important value which is neutrality we are neutral towards our users and we are neutral towards our stakeholders which allows us to learn and grow and sometimes even learn from our own mistakes and unlearn so i think that is something which is a sort of a long ongoing process and that's where to answer your question around our users yes there are some nuances which do come up we make sure that these uh, nuances are not some outlier sort of behavior or outlier insight we do recognize that and we make sure that qualitative insights are also validated quantitatively to a certain extent and we also trying to prioritize what specific qualitative insight still remains valid for a larger uh, group of users so that's how we do and another way what we do to make sure that some of the nuanced insights are included is that we don't look at user personas which is a very commonly used term personas are very specific understanding of a user where you map uh, uh, them at a very individual level archetype unlike persona is a common grouping of behaviors and motivation which helps us to understand a group of people that helps us to also understand some of the nuance behaviors and motivation and solve for that so that's one of the ways we make sure that nuances of our users in rural and semi urban areas are included when we are building products thanks abhishek for your question Sir, no, thank, thanks, Hachu. Yeah, Thank you. I'll go back to it. Then, uh... sir, are you there? Yes, I'm there. Hi, my question is regarding the dimensions of the process of the user research. For example, in the case of Misho, I know that uh, most of the 
users are and are in the age group which might be more between 20 to 40 or even more so what are the dimensions in which for example you take a feedback or uh, insights from the user and uh, does it include things like font size because so for example if i'm doing a uh, if i'm building an app for a age group of 30 to 50 or more than 50 do you think we should keep in mind the dimensions of text font size and color and things like that i don't think uh, we could go to that sort of level and i don't think that will make sense you will not uh, get that kind of insight from the users i think what is important i mean zoom out a bit if you want to look at it so sorry just to understand sharath are you from a design background or a product background i'm not from a design background i'm from a marketing background but i do want to build an app uh, for users between the age group of 40 to 60 So, do you think that 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 means that should have an impact in terms of the decisions which design? Yeah, got it. Yeah, then you have to look at it from different dimensions, right? You have to look at you know how users, the target users, are proficient with digital products. How are they using it? What are their behaviors? How they interact with specific features, with specific flows? That sort of comprehension, right? User comprehension is something important to understand. and then you can double down on the comprehension part of what are the visual cues they understand what are the text they comprehend and in what context of usage are they able to comprehend a lot of these actions so i think you will have to look at it in context of the usage of a product and trying to dig deeper there okay so to put it uh, in a concise manner can you tell me three dimensions in which like we should evaluate the user insights like what are the three things i should get out of after doing a user research project with let's say a set of 100 audience yeah okay that's a very broad open ended question it depends on the problem it has been defined then it is about what is the intent right behind if the objective is to understand the usability of a product right then there could be different usability criteria which is are they able to notice noticeability discoverability intuitiveness so there are different aspects of usability which you could consider and then build your tasks create those tasks that allow users to go through those tasks and you can test out um, some of these usability criteria in order to solve some of the problems which you have defined in the beginning of the project okay got it i understand uh, like in terms of the intent of the matter will decide whatever the dimensions i will be looking into just to take an example so for example if i am adding a feature of insurance or fintech app or app where they manage their finances that they can track their insurance as well so if i am adding that feature when i am doing the user research should i tell the users that see uh, this particular thing is there or like how does the process go on should i get from the user which will benefit me in terms of insights yeah so again this is a more on how you set uh, the context the usability this has to if i have to do justice to your answer then it will be a little bit more detailed so i i can i'm happy to take this offline right after this sort of discussion it might be helpful then yes sure sure yeah sure thank you right. thank you very much yeah Thanks, Sharad. Yes, please keep your questions short and sharp. And if Achuta is open, we can connect with him offline, and maybe he can 
give you some inputs and insight. Also, I have switched off hand raise because we have a number of people already on stage. If we have time left, then I will reopen it again. Anakshika, sorry, I'm probably butchering your name. Anakshi. Anakshi. Go ahead. Hi, Anakshi here. Thanks for uh, this room. I think it's a very interesting conversation. And Ashita, I hope I got your name right. Uh, I think you and I have similar problems. Tough names. <laughs> it's Achuta. Yeah. Yeah. Achuta. Yeah. Uh, I'm from Assam and I usually go wrong with names and especially if names have a Sanskrit Hindi leg to it, uh, because in Assam, we have a lot of people Right. Okay. I'm a consumer insights professional. I have been uh, working with consumers for a while now across FMCG, across auto and stuff. I see a couple of keywords. I see women and I see technology. It's very difficult to get all these three together and then call out insights because most of the time the lady who's using or who's actually doing the business may not be the one who's using the phone at all times. It could be her son, her husband, her brother, somebody else who's helping her uh, run the business. Qualitatively, I understand it's easy to talk to them and get their feedback. Quantitatively, if you look at the product-led uh, output or the usage behavior, it might be very difficult to actually figure out, is she the one who's putting it? Did she understand the process? Or somebody else helping her with the entire act? How do you deal with, with this scenario? Sure. There are two parts to it, right? One is digital access in itself. And in fact, if I have to break that down, it's access and permission. What is very interesting is that in uh, many rural and even semi-urban and urban places, it really depends on the household, that women have to get permission to access technology. Now, some, somehow they negotiate, there are many anecdotal stories that I want to support the family, this is something like a business. They have this consensus building and get an opinion of the husband or the father to say that this is interesting, should I try it? So they also get involved, they check out the app, then they think it is interesting, so then they let them try it. So I think that's a negotiation which they do, which is permission and access. Now, when they get that permission and access, then they progress to how do they use this app. And I and, and we have found clear evidence that a lot of the family members are actually involved in registering them and in also using the app. In fact, when they start helping them to start using the app, they start helping them even in the business. So coordinating with customers, delivery, how to quote the right prices or socially network to pitch like if they require a product. So they actually get involved. Um, in helping other women. So it, it becomes a family affair. And I think that also helps women to negotiate this permission and access much more easier uh, when they involve them in doing this business. And there is a lot of apprehension. There's a lot of anxiety and barriers of trusting a platform, a digital product like this. It could be fraudulent. Many other things could happen. So there's a lot of anxiety and barriers which even women have, right? Because they're not exposed about it. And that's when they also try and lower their anxiety and barriers by involving men in that because they are much more exposed to technology or the product or using an app or doing transactions. So they actually involve uh, men into that process even to do some of the transaction um, process on the app. So it's not always just women doing this in isolation. It's sometimes the entire family. And in fact, a funny story is that when I was doing an interview and the user was not picking up, then her daughter picked up who was I think around 8 or 10 years old. And she actually spoke to me that she is selling the products 
to the end customers because sometimes mummy is too busy managing the household responsibilities wow which actually means that your product is actually not just transforming the woman and her life but transforming the family impacting the family and at the same time the challenge for the product is really to be as simple that even a 8 year old or say a 50 year old or say the brother or the husband can understand yeah absolutely yeah it is and it's also not we didn't deliberately go with that i think sometimes we do have this in the sake of narrative right sometimes startups say that we empowered and we did this and i think this is again my social sector learning we are no one to empower i think they are already empowered they leverage they know how to use it they know how to uh, leverage it so in fact we have learned from our users on how they leverage it how alternative one of the interesting things was that in misho we have a a feature called community right where all the women entrepreneurs can share things about what they're learning or what are the new products they're discovering giving tips misho business updates everything but in that process a lot of the women started posting products which they liked and some of those products which were liked were liked by some of the young like the new users who are coming on board so it helped them in curating and discovering these products which means that it turned into a social discovery we never intended but it happened and uh, that's where i believe that it's a two way process and not a one way process and i and we would misho would give a lot of credit to our users right on how they help us learn and unlearn uh, on what kind of product we should build thank you so much thank you Anita, you're next. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, great discussion. Great to hear from. Uh, so my question, and maybe I should tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a PM at Financial Inclusion Focus FinTech. So we serve a very similar segment of customers, largely women, and uh, mostly in the rural and semi-urban segment. So I relate to a lot of what you said, and a lot of what Misho is doing. So I have a couple of questions, but I think the key one just given uh, what you were saying a bit earlier about how people from different backgrounds can come with certain biases what do you what would you suggest are good resources for say pms to upskill on user research because specifically i'm at a, a stage where i'm doing some product discovery and i'm i'm getting into some user research so what's a good way to ensure that say the questions that i ask are not leading or i i'm not being affected by a bias to validation sure i think that's also something which is our own learning journey i think me and khyati constantly brainstorm about how can we you know help pms and some of the pms who are very eager to learn about user research also ask us right so i think one clear way is to start participating right in research because then you also try to understand how researchers ask non leading questions and i think it starts with the brief itself I think the brief and the way the problem is broken down it has to be based on root cause analysis so it's not just enough to break down a problem logically and think through it it is about can you dig deep dive and really understand the root causes and if you are able to articulate some of these broad root causes which could be hypothesis it helps us to frame larger questions which may be exploratory in nature we start with it's it's a funneling model right like we start with a broader question and then we double down slowly on those based on some of our hypotheses and sometimes our hypotheses are completely misleading or they may not be true and it leads to discovering some completely new insight which is of course a eureka moment uh, for product design and user research 
So I think one is to attend a lot of these uh, interviews. Second is how you set your brief, how you break down. Root cause analysis is a very important piece. And I think that should be a little bit more collaborative so that you have different point of view. The other thing is, I think there has to be a self-check, right? Like the way we do self-check. I think we need to, PMs also need to do a self-check that the kind of questions I'm asking, is that biased, right? And that fundamentally comes, and I understand where PMs come from. They're pushed to prioritize, they're pushed to say, solve this problem, come up with a solution, all those kind of things. So I empathize with that mindset. And I think that leads to a lot of PMs being solution first in their thinking approach. So can they be more problem first in their thinking approach? If they do that and ask the right kind of question um, with a problem first thinking, which is root cause analysis, I think a lot of the other areas which you have talked about automatically get solved. Thanks. Great answer. I, I was just wondering if there's any uh, resources, I don't know, books or podcasts or anything like that that you might recommend. Yeah, there, there are plenty of books around jobs to be done and exploratory foundational research. I'm happy to share that. In fact, what is interesting is that me and another colleague from the startup called Wahan, who's, who's leading research there, we are also doing a project in understanding the history of user research. And what is very interesting is also understanding the influence of the Western research methodology, which have come in here. And there's an entire set of researchers who are talking about decolonizing design, decolonizing research. Some of these researchers who started Human Factors International for the first time in India, Pala, she talked about some of the interesting Indian ways of doing research. Which, and she talks about this Bollywood technique, which is very interesting. So there are a lot of these things which are available. And I think that's also um, something which we are learning and uncovering. And yeah, I'm happy to share some of these links um, and resources with you. Thank you. Thanks, Anita. We are uh, running short of time, so we only have the next couple of minutes. So to Abha, Sam and Ravish, request you to keep your questions really brief so that it gives time for you to answer. Also to everybody who's raising their hands, we've run out of time completely today. However, I'm sure that there is an opportunity for all of you to connect with Ajutya offline. However, just before we uh, go to the last few uh, questions, a quick reminder, we're the Asian Digital Supermovers and we talk to you about the Asian Digital Economy. We bring to you content and rooms associated with everything in the Asian Digital Arena. And today, of course, we are talking about user research with Misho. And we've had a very brilliant session and the questions will continue to flow. However, we will uh, remind you that there is another big session coming up tomorrow evening, which is at 6 p.m. where we have Pralagar, who is coming in to talk, and this is going to be probably his first clubhouse or second clubhouse appearance, talking to us about the ad reboot in Asia. And in the morning tomorrow at 11 a.m., we have a product management AMA. So all the questions that I just heard right now about product management, user research, and of course design make me very excited for the session tomorrow so please do join us do follow our socials ad supermovers on twitter and linkedin also do give a follow and join our telegram group last but not the least do follow the mods and Ajutia so that you can never miss an update when we come online and of course enter the same rooms that we are heading to because if this is the content that you like then you will uh, end up uh, receiving notifications about the rooms that we end up going to now without further ado abha 30 seconds to you Hello. First in line, so Abha goes first. Abha, we are probably, you are on mute, so I'm going to skip over to Sam. Please go ahead. 
Hey Pratish, hey Monica, thanks for this. Hi Achita, great session so far. Really quick question. So I understand like in all the conversations so far, it is very applicable to D2C business. Do the same practices and uh, principles apply to a B2B business or how do they vary for a B2B? Uh, business where we might just have a product management team, but how do they can they do for the user research principles for in a B2B environment? Thank you. Sure. I must be honest here that I haven't worked in B2B space, so I'm near, really not the, the best person to answer this. But from my understanding and my interactions with some of the other colleagues in B2B space, I think the scale, I think there are a few things with changes. I think one is, is the scale at which uh, you're talking to users and solving the problem. The scale is very different, I would say. I can't say it's small and big, but the scale is different, right? So that's one. The second is the nature of it, of understanding user problems or needs. doesn't become user-specific. It also becomes business-specific, context-specific, um, stakeholder-specific. So there are a lot of these nuances which come in B2B research, which is very important for us to keep in mind and not just the user behavior and motivation. So I think the definition of the user itself expands, right, um, in B2B research. And I think that is something which is important to keep in mind. And I think the approach of the research also, or the methodologies which we deploy, will has to be also a little bit more adaptable and flexible um, to the requirements. Of course, from the scale angle, we may not be talking to a lot of users. There is a value that when we're talking to a certain set of users, we make sure that they are the right kind of users who represent the right kind of uh, the relevant stakeholders and able to give us um, the inputs and the insights because then you are depending on a lot of that. So one of the things which at least I have learned and heard from other colleagues is that you don't depend on a type of user. You actually look at a stakeholder point of view and you make sure that in your B2B research, you include not one kind of users, but you have different type of users representing a particular business and then they become a cluster of users and then you keep at least a larger set of uh, users which then are clusters. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Last question to Ravish. Uh, okay, so I'm a, I wanted to ask, working with Glow Road Shopify app, and is there any chance Misho is also launching such app because uh, we are doing huge volumes uh, on Glow Road Shopify app, but uh, as I've seen on Misho mobile app, uh, it has better prices or for sure. But I'm unable to scale from the mobile app of Misho. So is there any planning going on to launch a Shopify app or uh, an app for e-commerce for bigger players in the e-commerce market India in India? Sorry, I'm not able to reveal any of those things. Those are confidential in nature. And also that sure, question no is not tied to <laughs> and related to what Ajutya is here to answer. Vish, probably that's a question you can raise in some other room. But over back to you, Pratish. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Ravish. Ashuta, before we let you go, we do a quick rapid fire, one word, one sentence. So are you ready? Sure. Great. The toughest thing about your job? Uh, bandwidth. User retention or user acquisition? Acquisition. One thing that you would like to change about user research globally? Globally. I think more and more uh, user research influencing product and business directly. 
Brilliant. It was great speaking to you, Chuta. Thanks for taking the time. We are exactly one hour from when we started. And anybody who's further interested in connecting with him, please do uh, offline on on LinkedIn. I don't know if you're on Twitter or not, but definitely. I am on Twitter. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And yeah, and I enjoyed this conversation and looking forward to more conversations like this. Thank you. So we'll be closing the room in 30 seconds. Uh, thanks, Monica. Thank you so much, Pratish and Asutya. It was a wonderful conversation and I really liked your display pic. And he didn't disturb us either. <laughs> he yes, he was, yeah, he had his dinner, so he's quiet. Super. Loved it. Thank you so much. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks.